Hello, welcome to PRWC Worcester podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that in your time spent with us, you will be blessed and edified even as we grow in faith. Please enjoy and may the Spirit of God illuminate your hearts.
May your will and purposes be done. May your peace that transcends all understanding rule and reign over the lands and the nations. In Jesus' mighty name, shall the church shout a big amen. Oh, give a hand to the Lord. Give a hand to the Lord. Give a hand to the Lord. Praise the Lord. We want to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank the Lord for this wonderful day and for what he's doing even in the midst of his people. And we want to thank you for watching us from home and being part of this great family of God. We pray that the power of the Lord will speak and cause a change even in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So if you've been with us for the past couple of months, actually past couple of weeks, feels like months, uh, you would realize that we have been trying to delve into the status, the state, and the power of the end time church. And uh, we started with the church of Ephesus. Uh, last week, by the grace of God, we were able to go through the church of Smyrna. And we are journeying on today with the church of Pergamos or Pergamum, which is the church that the Lord has set for us today to discuss, to see exactly what the state of that church is, what we can learn from their state in these end times, and ways that we can also take to mitigate and thwart all the works of the enemy. And so we want to thank the Lord for this great opportunity to continue in this series called the Church Series. And I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will speak to all of us and even sanctify us with his word and empower us to do great exploits for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Now turn with me to Revelations. This time we're doing from chapter 2, verses 12. Revelations chapter 2. Verses 12 to 17. I pray that you have been edified and energized even as we studied the persecuted church. That you would not give in or give out on your faith. That you would stand no matter what. Because that is what we've been called to do. The army of the Lord don't retreat. We stand and we do battle for the kingdom. Revelations chapter 2 verse 12. 2.17. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. If you want to underline that for me, that will be very helpful for today's study. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Hmm. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful matter. Who was killed among you where Satan dwells? Verse 14 is where we are now. But I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. And to eat things sacrificed to idols. And to commit sexual immorality. Verse 15. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Which thing I hate. Repent. Or else I will come to you quickly. And will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says. To the churches, to him who overcomes, 
I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I'll give him a white stone, and on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Shout a big amen to this. Oh, hallelujah. So this morning, we want to talk about a church in Pergamos or Pergamum. And this is the word of the Lord through the Apostle John in prophecy talking to this church. Just so that you get yourself back to what we've been doing, know that this is also talking to us. He's talking to you. You are the church. I am the church. So don't think of it as some ancient Pergamos church that John was speaking to in Revelations, but he's speaking to us now because this was the end time church and the state and the affairs of what the end time church would look like and how we need to be cognizant of that fact and begin to turn and channel our ways back onto the right ways of God. Now, as we always do, let's take a quick look at Pegmum. Now, remember that all these seven churches were in current modern day Turkey. Back then was called Asia Minor. So this is another church in Turkey called Pegamus. Now you realize that we studied Smyrna and we realize that they had temples of emperor worship. Guess what? Nothing different in Pegamus. As a matter of fact, they were the first city to build a real temple for Augustus, which is Caesar. So when they talk about emperor worship, what they're talking about is People worshiping and bowing and sacrificing and paying homage to Caesar, Rome, Caesar. So emperor worship was big time in Pegamum. So you can realize a church of PIWC in Pegamus where the religion of the day of the city of that community in Worcester is emperor worship. And according to the Christian doctrine, thou shalt not bow to any other God but him. And so there was always conflict between Christians who were in Pegamos and the governing body of Pegamos. Now you also realize besides the emperor worship, Pegamos had a unique religion where they worshipped the serpent. Hello? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, it would amaze you that that is the same in our system as we do. Now those of you that are in the medical field, right? It's Clippus. How many of us remember that? That serpent that kind of is kind of whining on that sword or a stick. It is a representation of a healing God. And so back in the days, besides emperor worship, they worshiped all these other gods because that was the order of the day. Now, it would have been okay if, yeah, you can worship your Asclepius, you can worship your emperor, I can worship my Jesus. But in that times or in those days, Christians were being forced to also worship these same idols. And therefore, if you refuse, just like in Smyrna where we talked about Polycarp last week, here, Scripture says another brother called Antipas was also martyred. So that was a common norm, if you will. It, 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 that's the order of the day. You either bow or you pay with your life. But this morning I am praying that whatever you're going through, hallelujah, that you will not bow to any other God but this great God. Hallelujah. That seems to be the state of Pegamus. And so there was a big conflict between leaders in the church. Now, I'm not talking even leaders outside the church, but leaders within the church and members within the church as to how to live their lives so they don't get killed, they don't get persecuted. And so some came with a concept of compromise. Compromise. And therefore, Pegamus was a church known as the church that compromised. Oh, hallelujah. And that is what we want to take a look at today. So when you read what the word of the Lord through Apostle John in prophecy says, a couple of things, just like he does with any other church. He recognizes their good stuff, and then he brings out their bad stuff and tells them what to do. So this morning, look at yourself as a church of Pegamus. Yell to your neighbor next to you and say, look at yourself as a church of Pegamus. Or tell him again, look at yourself as a church of Pegamus. And this is what the Lord is saying. One, I know 
your works. And your works include the fact that you held fast to my name. So the persecuted church as in Smyrna held fast to their faith. The church in Pegamus also held fast to their faith. They did not deny Christ in any other way. So they just didn't easily give in with their faith. They tried the best they can to withstand the persecution, the trials, the tribulations that they found themselves in. However, within the church were leaders who were compromising. And so the Lord says, I have a big time issue with you. Therefore, write to the angel of the church of Pegamus, the leader of the church of Pegamus. That as much as some are trying to hold on to their faith, as much as some are trying to withstand the tribulations and the trials, you are rather compromising. And for that reason, I have an issue with you. What were the two issues that the Lord had with the church of Pegamus with regards to compromising? Number one, you have amongst you those who hold on to the doctrine of Balaam. And today we'll talk a whole lot about that. Number two, you have also amongst you those who practice the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which we touched on a bit when we treated the church in Ephesus. And then he emphasizes that which I hate. When scripture doesn't mince words and says it plain as that, then you know that God really hates it. So people among you are practicing, see, that's a key word, and holding on to a doctrine. One of them is the doctrine of Balaam, and the other one is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Let's take a quick look at Nicolaitans, and then we'll touch on Balaam a whole lot. Now, if you read Acts chapter 6, 5, you remember that when the church was growing, and then there were a little bit of squabble where... The Greeks and the Jews and everybody else were complaining that, you know what, when the food is being shared, you know, all the Jewish women get the fat share. And we who are from Jamaica and Nigeria and all those places, nobody even takes care of us. There seemed to be a bias in this church. You see, it started way back then, right? <laughs> and then the apostle says, you know what, <laughs> we need to appoint people. Who can take care of this situation so that we can spend time doing what we've been called to do? So therefore, let's what? Take seven people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom so that they would attend to this food sharing thing and taking care of these other social activities in the church. Hence, deacons. So in Acts 6, seven wonderful men were chosen. Popular ones, as you know, are Philip and Stephen. But there was one in there that sometimes when we read through the name, and thank you for posting that up right there, right? So you got Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and check the last name there, Nicholas. And then the description of Nicholas says, a proselyte from Antioch. Underline that in your scripture because that makes a whole lot of a difference. A proselyte from Antioch. The term proselyte means that a person used to belong to some other religion and have converted to a new religion. And so usually it's used specifically when a person changes from his or her former religion to Judaism back in the days. And so you say he's a proselyte Jew. In other words, he wasn't born Jew, but he or she decided to say, I want to become Jew. And so at that time, he had Changed, converted, if you will, to become a Jewish religious believer. And when the gospel was thrown at the people of Rome at that time, he also happens to be one who, again, converted from Judaism to Christianity. Now, psychologists will tell you that when a person begins to switch from one stand to the other and then to the other, what it means is he or she doesn't have any grounding in her faith or his faith. So any wind of doctrine kind of pushes them. Any wind of doctrine attracts them. Anything makes them so giddy. They want to be part of it. 
The amazing thing, though, when you read that scripture is men filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me, church? Men, we could have even extrapolated if we were women in that case, filled with the Holy Spirit, full of faith and wisdom. Yet, Brother Nicholas was part of them. And in his mind and his subconsciousness, yes, he was filled of faith and wisdom and the Holy Spirit, but he had a whole lot of beliefs running through here. A whole lot of personal, if you will, philosophies, worldviews going on through here. So he came to the prayer meetings, he went to the all nights, he sat under the big apostles and they taught him, but still, there was so much going on here. He just couldn't wait to see the next thing that was giddy to jump into it. What's a new trend religion? What's a new buzzword to jump into it? He wasn't grounded. And so church history tells us that he now began within the church teaching certain things. And amongst them was the overt teaching of grace. Now, you realize that we spent time here doing Jude. And Jude was warning against the same type of teachings where people take, and Jude makes it point blank, people taking the grace of God and perverting it into sexual immorality. That's Nicholas and his folks, hence Nicolaitans. And so if there is freedom in Christ, then boy, I can do anything. That's what they thought. So if you read scripture very well, you realize that Apostle Paul addresses some of these issues even in the church of Corinth. Where they now have gained this new freedom in Christ. I am free. I am free. And they misconceive that to be freedom to do anything. Because Paul says, you know what? You can eat every food as long as you pray over it. And so they determine that to be if my body needs food, Apostle Paul says, I can eat. If my sexual Libido also, an appetite also needs satisfaction. Then guess what? I got to satisfy it. See how doctrine can be just swayed like that easily and misinterpreted? And that was going on in the church of Pergamos. And so perhaps Brother Nicholas was long gone, but his teachings have taken root within the church. The Greek word Nicola, N-A-N-I-C-O-L-A-H, N-I-C-O-L-H, Nicola means let's eat, let's enjoy. And so they were involved in self-indulgence. If anybody talks about, hey, don't judge me, self-indulgence, we are free in Christ, we are at liberty. I have my liberty, I have my liberty, I have my liberty, now, 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 now. Except the liberty was being taught wrong. Not only that, because he also came from a pagan background, he also brought all the practices that his great-great-fathers had taught him, cultural stuff, into the church. I think that is ringing a bell somewhere. This is how we do it back home. This is how we do it in my culture. That's why our culture, we can't change it to, hey, we can't change it. You are in a new culture, church. As long and as great as we cherish our culture, as long as it is not aligned with the purposes and the will of God, break loose. Break loose. So your people abusing their children and so on and so forth. It is church, but let me be plain. Genital mutilations and all that. And say, oh, that's my culture. Who told you that? You are in Christ's culture. You change. You repent. But they felt it was okay. We could blend it. And so they had a very nice liberalistic view of Christianity. In our days, I could be gay and still be okay. Jesus still loves me. I can go party and still come to Sunday and repent. He still loves me. I can act all that. Love all the worldly stuff. Chill with them at a party. Clean my mouth. Use mouthwash. Take some aspirin. Come back the next Sunday. I'm good to go. That was what was being preached. You see, this thing didn't start now. So we talk about postmodernism, yes. But Pagabas, the doctrine of Nicolaitans, 
So you can imagine what was going on within the church where men have decided to say, I'm not going to deny Christ whatever. And leaders within the church say, come on, man. You can go to Emperor Worship one day and just bow and come back to church. It's not a big deal. You see, you are still young. You, you have your whole life ahead of you. Why would you just risk your life and die like that? Your wife is going to be there and somebody's going to come marry her just by the way. Just bow a little bit. Maybe all set. Mercy. Mercy. Now let's talk about Balaam doctrine. Now, since you are Berean members and Christians, I would encourage you, take your time, read all the numbers, the book of numbers, verse 22, 23, 24, 25. You might want to jump all the way to 31. That gives you a big picture of this doctrine that we're talking about called Balaam. I'm just going to give you a big summary, small summary of what it means. Now, when you read all these chapters that I'm talking about, Scripture says that when the people of Israel were now proceeding to their promised land, they get to a place where the Moabites, which unfortunately or fortunately used to be their brothers, by the way, <laughs> but now have become enemies. And their king was Balak. Balak, having recognized that every place that the Israelites stepped, God gave the place to them, says, you know what, I know they're going to just come take over me. And so let me find some other means so that I can stop them. And therefore, in his search, he comes across this man called Balaam. Scripture describes him as a diviner, somebody that can see in the realms of the spirit. Diviner. As I was doing my research, I realized that our Jamaican friends called them reader man or reader woman. That's right, sis? Yeah, reader man. You know, they can look at you and tell you things. You know, I, I can read into your future. I can read behind you. You come from X family, you know. You're wearing some green whatever today, you know, all that stuff. Read a man. He goes to Balaam and says, you know what? I need your help. All I need for you to do is to curse the people of Israel. Just pronounce curses upon them so that they would not be able to take over my land and my people. You see, but the amazing thing is who God blesses, no one curse. Oh, hallelujah. You are sitting here and you are thinking about some curses of your great, great, great mother. No, 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 bro. Says that is gone. Having canceled all the written codes that were against us, he took it to the cross, nailed it, and made a public show of them all. You are not under a curse. Don't let some Balaam come to you and say, yeah, I see your great-grandmother was a witch. And therefore, she's still following you. No. You got a wrong person you're talking to. Nobody follows me. I follow Jesus. And his spirit surrounds me. A wedge of fire around me. What about my grandmother witchcraft following me? He ain't getting no part in my life. Believe that. You're watching me from home. Believe that. Don't walk around and let all these... Balaam's spirits just woo you, just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. He even told me where I went for grocery last week. Yeah? Seriously? Balaam says, why not? But let me pray about it. I'm not sure how he prayed. And then I'll give you a response. Now, Scripture says, <laughs> God is merciful, man. In his incantations with his spirits, wherever he gets his power from, God visits him and says, these people you can't curse. I, Jehovah God, has blessed them eternally. And so the people came back again, you know, reluctantly. He didn't want to go, but within himself, he still feels like he wants to go because Balak has promised him huge ransom. Looking at what is in it for him. As opposed to anything else that God may have told him. So finally, God, who knows all things, knows that this guy's heart still wants to go. So he says, you know what? You just go because I can tell you you want to go. But only at what I will tell you is what you speak. When you read that account, you realize that he did not even wait for the people to come back the third time. Early in the morning, saddles his donkey. Boom. 
going to do his business. Read a man. And if you were in Sunday school, you realize that that is when a donkey or a horse could speak. As they were riding, the Lord just intervenes with an angel and says, where are you going? No, the fact is, <laughs> he's a reader man. He can see spiritual things, but he didn't see the angel in the way. See how God is? He allows the donkey to tell him what is truly in the spiritual realms. So as all the powers he had and he could see and he could tell you what it is, when the angel of the Lord was standing right in front of him, he couldn't say it. It is Jehovah God who reveals, church. Oh, it is only him that reveals. And I pray that he will open the eyes of our understanding through his word. So we don't go asking for some reader man to tell us about our future. Your future is secured in Christ Jesus. Three times the donkey tried to evade the angel. Long story short, donkey begins to speak. <laughs> Why are you beating me like this, master? And finally, the Lord reveals himself to me and says, you know what? I would have just smoothed you right here. But my mercy is sufficient. And I'm going to use you to honor myself. Now, you realize that in that story, I'm still making a quick summary because it's a very long story. When he finally gets there, the Lord tells him what to say. And when the people of Moab came and says, curse the people of Israel, as he opens his mouth to pronounce curses, it turns into lessons. <laughs> four times. Four attempts. I'm going to go consult and come back and tell you. The next day he goes, curse. He opens his mouth to curse and God turns it around into a blessing. Look, whatever the enemy is saying concerning you. You're looking at me at home. You may be worried. You may be just stressed. Whatever you believe the enemy is saying about you, God is turning it around. Because you are blessed in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God who has blessed us in heavenly places. That's you. He turns every negative word into a blessing. But the sad thing is when he was unable to curse. And when he was about to leave, scripture says he did one thing. Told Balak, these people, they are blessed. As long as they remain with their God. As long as their heart is with their God, as long as they are so passionate and faithful to their God, no curse would befall them. Except if you are able to lure them into sinning, then I don't even need to curse them. Their God himself will bring punishment over them. And guess what happened? Balak says, voila. Shouldn't have paid you for nothing if this was the information that you could give me. And he lures the people of Israel into sexual immorality with the Moabites and idol worship and the like. Those were the days where a young man could pick up his, or his girlfriend, so to speak, and then Moses and the elders are seated and he would just walk by them like, I don't care. Takes him to the tent and does what he wants to do. No fear. Does that sound familiar in our churches these days? Thought it happened many years ago. It's happening now. That's why God wants us to talk about this. Happening now. No fear. People don't even cherish holiness anymore. You mention holiness and look at you like you're weird. What are you talking about holiness for? All you Pentecostals and all you Charismatics and all you Evangelicals, you are just too much. You're just always shoving through our through to do this, do that. But our God is holy. Walks by them. I've got my chick. I'm going to chill. The scripture says Phinehas, not the Phinehas of Samuel, but Phinehas, son of Elias, was so mad within his spirit. As you know the story, went in and pierced the two of them. With a sword. I'm not asking you to go pierce anybody in the heart. But the emphasis here is God expects us to be who he boasts of us to be. That's it. 
So the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, wouldn't be going to God every time. Oh, look at that guy. You see that pastor guy? You see that elder guy? You see that married guy? You see that? No. That was what was going on in Pergamos. So can you imagine two strong teachings in one church, which are contrary to everything that the apostles have laid their foundations on? Go figure. Luring spirit, deception spirit, sexual immorality, gullible, self-indulgence, everything goes. So Jesus through John was saying, I have something against you. I know you're strong. I know that. I know you got this. I know, but for this thing, I have something against you. False prophets and teachers. Deceptions and enticers. And what they do is sensationalism. Now, l- listen to me, church. Let me be very... Let me speak from my heart to you. If God was to come and stand here and reveal everything that is going on in your life before he touches you or turn your situation around, find a different God. Hello? Let me repeat that. If God was to bless you, if God was to heal you, and all that he can do every single time is to use me to come and say, I see you wearing a green underwear. I see you this. I see you that. Before I heal you, find a different God. That's what Balaam worship is. Deception. Sensationalism. You see, the sad thing, though, is there are great men of God right here in this generation. Great prophets who are laboring for the true word of the Lord. But because of all these many Balaams, we can't even see them anymore. Because they are the ones that can pack the stadiums. They are the ones that can be on the radio stations. They are the ones that can be on TV. And that's poor little prophet praying, the Lord, turn the hearts of your people. Nobody even sees him. And it's happening in the end time church. My question to you is why? Because we are so gullible. Aren't we the same people that go to their big performance conferences? Aren't we the same people that give to them in Ghana, in Nigeria, in Jamaica, and all that? Aren't we the people that just calls every single time and says, tell me something? As we feed them, Scripture says, they are emboldened. As Balak came to Balaam and says, I'm going to give you more. Curse the people of Israel. I'm going to give you more. Curse the people of God. He proceeded. So don't think it's in Pegamos. It's right here. A friend of mine texted me and says, the modern Christianity has become attachment and no commitment. Attachment and no commitment. So I want to affiliate with some church as an edifice. But my level of commitment, uh-uh. I want to associate so that if there is a need for pastor to be called to pray, I can call pastor. If the pastor for dedication of baby, I can call pastor. If an elder needs to come visit, I can. Oh, in this COVID season, if they are looking for people who are struggling so they can bless them, I could be part of them. Attachment. But no commitment. God is looking for your relationship, church. Not your attachment. Not your attachment. Can you believe attaching yourself to some guy, some dude for 10 years, 20 years, and there's no relationship? That's not what God is looking for. He's looking for an intimate relationship. Because then, if it is a blessing, if it's a healing or whatever, then those become icing on the cake. Because if he's in an intimate relationship with you, he's not going to watch you suffer. He loves you too much to do that. But if it's just an attachment then you can't even get deeper to know who he is. And so you jump from this to that. You jump from that to that. Anything that is sensational, you want to be there. We are praying in the name of Jesus that the Lord will open the eyes of our understanding that we'll begin to know the Nicolaitans and the Balaams in our midst so that we don't follow them. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Greed, consummate greed. 
Mine, mine, mine. Where can I get a next plane? Where can I get this? Where can I get? It's amazing how the Lord's name is being perverted in the end time church. And people are still believing it. Greed. Spiritual capabilities with flawed character is what the Lord says we should talk about. Turn with me, 2 Peter 2, 12 to 17. Probably think that is in the Old Testament. Peter makes it clear to us. If you go home, read Jude 11. Jude talks about the same thing. Talking about the Balaam spirit. Second Peter, forgive me. Two. Reading from verse 12. But these, talking about the Balaam spirit, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand. Talk about righteousness, they don't want to talk about it. Talk about commitment to the Lord, they don't want to talk about it. Talk about relationship, they don't want to talk about it. Because the fact is, if they teach you that way, you're not going to come back to them anymore. And as a matter of fact, that is the job of the pastor. That is the job of the prophet. That is the job of the apostle. Teaching, edifying the church. So they themselves can know the power investing in them and do ministry. But if they teach you that, their business is gone. Because they want you to have a dependent mentality. How I pray that PRWs will grow in strength and grace. Hallelujah. That you will wake up in the middle of the night and say, you know what? I should have called pastor today, but now I'm grown. I'm going to lay my hands on my child and pray for that child. And as you begin to exercise that faith, God will honor himself. There's a place for every ministry. Yes, there's a place for pastor, a place for prophet, a place for apostles, evangelists, and teachers. But corporatively, there is something in you. Now listen to what Peter is saying. They speak evil of things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and would receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count its pleasure and carouse in the daytime. They carouse in daytime like pimp men. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. They feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery and cannot cease from sin. Enticing unstable souls. Unstable souls. Ungrounded souls. The attachment mentality of Christians, they entice them. Because you are not grounded in the Lord. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are cursed children. They have forsaken the right way. And gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Boah, who, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. Reading from verse 16. The dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by the tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness and darkness. Forever. Wells without water. Clouds without rain. Deception. Pastor, we see this all around us. So what are you talking about this morning? Compromise. Definition for compromise. To make a concession against one's moral or relationship to God. To cause a significant impairment to an original state. Those of you that are in IT and security database and all that, when you say my data software is compromised, it means you've been breached. What should have been stable and begin to work as it's designed to work, it's now breached. It's compromised. If you're in health and somebody says, I have my immune system compromised, it means your body now is not functioning any longer as it ought to be. And therefore, any bug can just get in and take over. You have an immune-compromised situation. 
talking about COVID and the warnings, some of them says, those of you that have an immunosuppressant therapy or an immune compromised situation, you got to take extra caution. What is it saying? Because you are not really well. That's compromise. Something just breached into it. But the last one that I like is to make a shameful or disreputable concession regarding the truth. To make a shameful or disrepute concession, disreputable concession regarding the truth. When I was writing this, the first thing that just jumped in my spirit was Mr. Lot. Who has this Balaam, Nicolaitan type of mentality? Says, now I'm going to go sit and live my life in Sodom. Um, I'm, I'm saved. I'm fine. I can live amongst these sinful people. I can go along their culture and whatever. I don't have a problem with it. And he stays there. This is a story that I want you to picture. When the angel of the Lord was sent, two of them, three of them, but two of them entered into Sodom to destroy. You realize that the moment they got in there, Scripture says that all the men, and it's amazing when you read this, it's all the men, both old and young, <laughs> come knocking on Lord's door. We want to chill with these men. We want to chill with these men. Both old and young. Can you believe it? Sin has so much saturated the place that young men, old men, 80-year-old, 90-year-old, five years, everybody has a perversion of homosexuality. But this is what saddens my heart. Lot has already compromised to live amongst them, one. But two, when they came and made that request, this is what the man, Lot, says. Please don't touch these men. But I have two beautiful daughters who are virgins. I'm going to give them to you. Can you believe that? Somebody think about it. Your father says, I'm going to compromise. Don't touch these people, but I'll give you my two daughters to be raped. Instead of standing and says, no way, no how. He has compromised. And therefore, he doesn't even see the sin in giving his own two virgin daughters, who, when you read scripture, were betrothed. They were engaged to be married to some people. No, take them. And it's okay with Lot. Have you recognized how many times you've compromised in this journey with Christ? Oh, but, but it's okay. Oh, but, but it's okay. I'm looking at the time here. I know this is deep. Maybe we, we might want to continue. When people are stealing the toilet rolls at, 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 at your workplace and stealing the face mask and stealing the gloves and doing all these things, do you also just follow and do it? But you know that this morning the law says, yes, you did. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Yes, you did. Don't think the big ones. These little ones. Yes. Yes, you did. But you are compromised. Because that has become the norm. Oh, but Pastor, everybody, this one, everybody does it. Uh, even, even the manager himself does it too. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> See, those little, little things, and then they become huge things. Take my daughters. Oh, Mr. Lot. He had already compromised himself. Scripture says, hey, do not be deceived. Bad character corrupts good. If you're hanging around with some group, some people, some society, some whatever, and you as a child of God thinks you can just stay in there and then just be cool. No, 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 no. Change your mindset today. Don't be breached. Don't be compromised. Let me try to wrap up where I can today and we'll continue next week. So then what do we do, pastor? These are serious, despicable stuff that's going on in our church. We've got Nicolaitans all over the place. We've got Balaam's all over the place. Seeking to portray themselves as holy, but then deep down them, there's flaws. What do we do? Now, this is where... I call it the introductory Christology. This is where the beginning of Genesis, I mean, Revelations 12 
The statement that Jesus makes through the prophecy of John is so poignant, right? So this is Revelation 2.12, the very statement there. It says, these things says, and the description is, he, who is he, who has the sharp two-edged sword. It's a deep revelation, and the time will not permit us today. We'll continue next week. I am the one who holds the sharp two-edged sword. And this is what I'm telling you. In other words, I am the true word. I am the true doctrine. I am the true practices. I am the one who holds the whole church in place. And I'm telling you that there are things that are contrary to who I am. And therefore, change. Hebrews 4.12, very popular scripture. For the word of God is living and powerful. Other, other verses says, and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul and of the spirit and of the joint and marrow. And the discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open in his eyes. Him to whom must be given account. And John is saying that word, Jesus Christ himself, says, I am the one who carries the sword. How do you fight against Nicolaitans and Balaam? With the sword of the spirit. With the sword of the spirit. Somebody grab your sword of the spirit. Know your word. We spend many time sitting on TV and watching, flipping through YouTube channels. How many hours, how many minutes, minutes have you decided that today I'm going to sit and Holy Spirit, the teacher that lives in me, Holy Spirit, teach me the word. But we are comfortable compromising and just, oh, just go, oh, there's a powerful pastor. There's a powerful, somebody told me, Pastor, I like your element. I'm like, what's element? What's your element? I don't even know what that means. New lingo that I learned the other day. Get your own element. Get your own element. I'm wrapping up for here because I'm looking at the time. We'll continue next week. Wrapping up here. Take these two verses to heart and we'll continue. John, Gospel, 1, verse 1 to 5. And verse 14, very popular scripture. The Gospel of John, 1, 1 to 5. And the verse 14. First Timothy 3, 15. Let me read through it even as we bring this session to an end. In the beginning was the word, reading John 1, 1 to 5. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made. That was made. In him, oh, somebody, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in every Balaam and Eclipse in darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14, and that word became flesh and found his dwelling in us, amongst us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten Son, who is full of grace and truth. They work hand in hand. Grace and truth. And in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, just sums it up. These things are right to you. But though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I have delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself. Where? In the house of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of truth. John just tells us Jesus is the one who is full of grace and truth. Peter is confirming that in this place, our description is we are the pillar of truth. How do you know the truth? Get to the word. Get to the word. I pray that even as we end here today, 
the Spirit of the Lord will speak to all of us. So that as we continue next week, we'll get into how to deal with these things so that we are not swayed and lied to, so we don't become so gullible to anything that we see in our days, that we will stick to the truth and stand in faith until his glorious appearing. Just be on your feet, somebody. Be on your feet, somebody. Mm. Just meditate for a few moments in your spirit. Allow the word of God to work on you. It is able to pierce even through the division of our souls and our spirits and our bodies. It discerns every thought and the intent of our hearts, the motives of our hearts. And nothing is hidden from him. All things are made naked before him because we will all give accounts, he says. The word of the Lord. Sometimes we just want to cherry pick the ones that sounds palatable to eat. We desire more to hear what we want to hear as opposed to what we need to hear. But this morning the Lord is saying as much as you want, He wants you to need. You need to know the one who holds the two-edged sword that is sharper than any other word. Yes, Lord, speak to our hearts, Jesus. Convict our hearts. Bring us back on track. We have strayed so far away from you. We've been so gullible, oh God, with our own self-indulgences. We've abused and perverted the freedom that you've given us in Christ in so many different ways. But this morning you have spoken to us, O oh Lord, with power and conviction. Touch our hearts and our minds. And bring us back, O oh God, to where we ought to be as a church. We are the end time church. The pillar and the ground of truth. What it means is we stand for truth. Nothing but the truth. Cause us to be just like that. Even in the name of Jesus. Just open your mouth and begin to talk to the Lord, somebody. Pray, open your mouth and talk to him. You know where you're struggling. You know where you're going so down in your Christian journey. Touch us, oh God. Touch us, oh God. Touch us, oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, open up and speak to the Lord, somebody. You home watching us, may you open up and let the Lord work in you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we bless you, Lord. See you highly Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. I want to see.
my heart, Lord. Ah. Open the eyes of my heart, cause I want to see our prayer this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see I want to see I want to see Hey, I want to see I want to see in our church in us so that we oh God would manifest that glory within if we have strayed away oh God due to our own itchy ears and gullibility we are praying in the name of Jesus pull us back oh God pull us back pull us back pull us back be able to walk in your purpose. You're watching from home, listening to me. We are the bride of Christ. Not because we deserve it. But he saw us fit, even in our filthy state. Cleansed us, washed us, forgave us of our sins gave us a new identity, gave us grace and power to walk in it. You want to be part of this family? We just want to give you that opportunity. Come as you are. You just need to confess him as we are praying that we see him highly lifted up. Because of our sins, he came to die that we may live. If you want to be part of this family, I'm just giving you this opportunity to pray with you. Just say this after me with all sincerity. 
Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for my life. And I thank you for sustaining me to this day. I acknowledge that indeed I'm a sinner. And because of my sins, your love brought you to the cross. You died for me. You were buried for me. You resurrected for me. And you are seated on the right hand side of the Father for me. Therefore, this day I also acknowledge you as my Lord. I accept you as my Master and Savior. Come into my heart. Purge all my self indulgences and fill my whole being with yourself. Help me to walk in the purpose that you've designed for me, that I may give you glory, you only and only. I thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Friend, you are saved if you said this prayer. You are also part of this family. The Spirit of the Lord is actively working in you right now as we speak. And every purpose that God has said concerning you is coming to pass right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you adoration for this day. We thank you for your word. We pray that we will find a place in our heart to sit. This is what we need to hear. And this is what you have spoken. Cause us, oh God, to have an eye that can see you highly lifted up, you and you only. No other entity, O oh God. And may you open the eyes of our understanding to discern the Lycolathans and the Balaams so that we will not fall to their seduction and their lies, but we will stay right in you, that you will have your way. We don't want an attachment. We love to have a relationship. Help us to have that deep relationship with you so that your name will be glorified in us even now and forevermore. In Jesus' name. And the shout said a big amen. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us. We pray you were blessed. Please don't forget to click on the other episodes to continue in your journey with us. Don't forget to also share and follow this podcast. May the good Lord bless you.